Welcome to the Pioneers in Europe podcast, where we discuss life, missions, opportunities, and challenges across Europe. My name is Mark Oshman. I'll be your host today. Welcome. We're talking today with Justin. He's in Lisbon, Portugal. And uh, thanks for coming on the show today, Justin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we're excited to talk with you today. You're a little bit unique so far in this uh, podcast series in that uh, you guys are fairly new to the mission field in Lisbon. And just wanted to kind of check in with someone that's only been there. Well, well, why don't you tell us how long you've been there, how you got there, and just give us a little bit of bio on you and your family. Yeah, uh, my family, my wife, Julie, and I, and now our two sons, we've been here It'll be two years in June 2018. Uh, yeah, we came from Fort Worth, Texas, from uh, where we met and got married. Um, we, uh, we chose Pioneers about a year after we got married. Um, God kind of led us to Europe through just hearing about the work um, that he was doing here and, and the spiritual need of the people. Um, yeah, it kind of, it kind of took us a while to think through Europe because a lot of what we had thought about missions in our mind was, uh, meeting physical need, but Europe, uh, especially Western Europe, there's not a whole lot of obvious physical need. But definitely uh, a great spiritual need. And so coming up on your two-year anniversary, and that would be still considered your first term on the field, um, tell us a little bit about, uh, I just want to explore that throughout this podcast, but tell us about once you decided Pioneers and how did that look with your sending church? How did How did you guys get to the field? Our sending church was very supportive. They had known about our intentions since I was in seminary. Um, at, at the time we were sent out, I was, I was leading the international missions program at the church. They were very supportive. They were, um, the pastor had mentioned, well, it would be great to see some church planning done in Europe. Um, and, and that's where God was leading us. And so they were very supportive. We were able to yeah, get to the field after about a year of support raising. That's tremendous, and that's that's great. The uh, pioneers really uh, value both the sending church and and the local church in the context where you're going. So it's it's great to hear that you have that in place. Uh, so you you landed on the field a couple years ago. Uh, you landed with uh, a little one, and you got another one coming on at that point. Tell us about your kids. Yeah, yeah, Luca. Well, when we got to the field, Luca was just a little bit older than oh, just a little bit older than one year, and now he's almost three years old. Um, full of energy, super happy, loves people. Um, yeah, I think that that really helped with our time talking in those small groups. He kind of grew up as a little baby in there, just surrounded by people and. Still, he still really seems to love people. He's doing great. He's learning the language, um, making friends, helping us make friends. 
he's going to speak Portuguese better than us real soon. He probably understands it better than we do already. Uh, Oliver was born in the middle of November of 2017. He's just about four and a half months old. So we're, uh, we're learning to be a family of four now. Um, Luca's learning to share mommy and we're learning, we're learning it all together. I bet. I bet. So tell us a little bit about that because, uh, sometimes, uh, people are wondering like, well, I could, I could be a missionary before I have kids, but not with kids. And you guys are, are doing it all at the same time. So what are some of the, the challenges and even the blessings of starting family and starting the mission field? You know, there's just that extra factor of um, how are we going to care for our kids? Where, what doctor is he going to go to? Uh, what school is he going to go to? Um, is he going to stay at home? How is he going to learn the language? Is he going to have friends? Are his friends going to understand him? So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of considerations um, in taking taking kids to the field. But um, for us, it's been a huge blessing. Um, the first the first day we moved into our house, our our neighbor was watching her granddaughter and invited Julie out to the park because she saw that we had a kid. And so, from from day one, um, he's kind of he's kind of been a door opener without us even trying. People love kids here in Portugal, and so it's been a blessing to see how people have um, embraced him and embraced us through that as well. Yeah, that's. That's amazing. As, as, as people working in, in foreign lands, uh, particularly as missionaries, we're always looking for in, inroads into people's lives. And I don't know a better inroads than, than our kids sometimes. Our kids, and they, they take a lot to be, to be third culture kids, but a great asset. And it sounds like from day one, that was the case for you guys. Tell us a little bit about uh, just some of the, some of the losses that you have to ex- experience and your kids have to experience uh, growing up far away from home. Um, the typical American childhood, it's not the same. Um, it's not, it's different. Um, definitely being around family is the biggest. It's what we feel the most. Um, it's what Luca feels the most. I'm sure. Um he knows his grandparents through through Skype or FaceTime. Um, his cousins through the same, um, and so it's definitely the biggest the biggest loss. the The hardest thing is is being so far from family with all uh, with the kids growing up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, you you guys are now coming up on two years. And I know for many people that go to the field, the two first two years are really the hardest two years. Uh, what have been some of the challenges that you guys have had to face that you didn't ex- maybe didn't expect, or you did expect, it's just, you're still going through. Huh, yeah. Uh, it's the, I laugh because the, the funny thing is it's the challenges that you expect, but they're still hard, even though you expect them that, sometimes seem the hardest. Um, we talked about how we were going to have to learn the culture and meet the people and learn the language um, and just how we knew it was going to be different. We, we were telling 
person after person about this and we had this this mental idea of what the transition into a new culture and learning a new language was going to be um but then actually getting and experiencing it it is it's hard um and and knowing it unfortunately doesn't make it necessarily any easier knowing that it's going to be hard um yeah and so learning the language going from being a capable adult in your home culture to having to learn how to shop again, having to learn simple words and communicating like a, like a toddler for a while. That's definitely one of been one of the hardest things, just especially here in Europe, because everything looks pretty similar. Um, but just the way things operate is so different. So just learning how to operate in, in that difference has, uh, yeah, that's been a big challenge as well. Yeah, so that would be also just some culture shock. Do you do you do you experience that? Have you experienced that? Oh, definitely. Um, it's just it's been here and there, comes and goes. Um, definitely throughout this whole time, it's it's stronger at times. It's uh, definitely there's times where you the grass is greener back on the other side and you're imagining the perfect easy life back home, whether it's, whether it would be true or not. Um, because you just can't think another word of the language you're learning, or you just can't experience that, that cultural difference again, um, that day, because you just, you just, you're tired of it. But, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, it comes and goes, that, that culture shock, definitely. So let's talk about uh, your experience there. So you, you've been in, I'm assuming, language school, maybe have some language uh, tutors. And what does a local ministry at this point in the stage look like for you, if, if anything at all? Yeah, so we did um, pretty, pretty full-time formal language school through a university for about a year and a half while um while trying to serve where we could in our local church yeah and we're working just to help serve the local church right now um in a pretty behind the scenes kind of way while we build the relationship with this church but yeah at this point we've we've been blessed to feel pretty comfortable in um in communicating in in Portuguese, we know, like I said, we know we're not, we know we're not anywhere near to have arrived. But um, yeah, we're we're at a, a comfortable level at this point. Yeah, that, that's that's great. I know you guys wouldn't be there if if there wasn't a significant gospel need. Uh, but how? What is the state of the church in, in Portugal these days? And what what are the challenges? And what excites you about ministry in Portugal and Lisbon? Portugal um, and and Spain as well um, were a couple places where the Reformation never never really hit, um, never really took hold. Uh, so the the country, uh, the statistics say that Portugal about ninety percent of the people would say that they are Catholic, um, but only probably about eighteen percent would be practicing Catholic. Uh, and then right around 1% of the 
12 million people here would be evangelical Christians. Tell us a little bit about just life in Lisbon. What, what, what's, what's that like? What's, how is that different? And yeah, yeah. Lisbon, it's a beautiful city. It's, uh, it's right on a, on a beautiful river, 30 minutes at most to a beautiful, uh, to the Atlantic ocean. Um, it's a very hilly city. Uh, it's, in looks, it's kind of like the, the San Francisco of Europe. They've got a bridge that is an exact copy of the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's just a, it's a beautiful hilly city. Uh, lots, of, lots of history here in Pol- Portugal. They're very proud of their very long history here. Um, Portugal opened up most of the East to the Western world and, um, and they're very proud of, uh, their history. And so it's, it's interesting to see how they've commemorated things and the monuments that mean a whole lot to, to the people here and the old streets, just wandering through them and seeing, yeah, just the history that's, that's throughout this whole city. It's great. Yeah. I've seen some of your posts in the past that, Lisbon also kind of has a, a unique art scene to to it. What what's that about? Yeah, the uh, the urban art scene or street art scene here in Lisbon. There's um, it's it's very popular here. There's some really good, um, well known Portuguese artists who've done some really great art. And there's just little pieces here and there. Um, it's just for me. It's just fun to find. Uh, take some pictures of them. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a neat, it's a neat thing. It's not just, not just, you know, basic graffiti, but really, really good art just out, out throughout the city. It's a fun, uh, it's a fun little adventure to find, uh, the new, new art that I haven't seen. Yeah. I would encourage the listeners to Google Lisbon street art. It's pretty interesting. Um, about other cultural things, how's the food? How's the music? What 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 is the average? I mean, what do you call a citizen of Lisbon, and what what is the average thing that they like to do for fun? Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of cafe going. Um, there's a lot of the the younger generation they're going out um, in the center of the city all hours of the night. Um, football, soccer is is king here. It there's probably four newspapers just dedicated to, to soccer. Um, and so that's, that's huge here. Everyone's got their team that they support. Even if they don't watch the games, they've got their team. Um, and they'll die for their team, even if they don't watch the games. Um, but it's, it's, yeah. Um, it's a very social, um, social feel to to the culture um everyone's very friendly and they're out having conversations or having late long dinners that kind of thing um yeah in your estimation obviously just been there two years and you're still kind of learning every day but what what are what are some of the hindrances or roadblocks to the gospel uh permeating the culture and, and what are some uh maybe some bridges that you think are available to you for the gospel yeah i think um 
maybe a hindrance and a roadblock is is the the Catholic culture here in Portugal um, a hindrance because they've seen it they've seen it played out they've seen it nominally played out and um, and they've been kind of inoculated to all the words they know the word gospel they know who Jesus is but they haven't really seen it lived out um, they haven't seen yeah they haven't seen life in the Christian faith and so so there's it's a hindrance but then also there is a kind of an entry point um, one of our neighbors once asked um, she she's been raised Catholic and she asked so what's what's your religion about um, and we could say well here, here are the similarities, and so there's there's some bridges through the through the Catholic background as well. But like I said, they also they also have seen seen the church in its institutional form played out. Well, last question: if 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 your prayers were answered, and uh, we fast forward five years from now, uh, what would you hope for your ministry for maybe your team? Uh, and just Lisbon in, in particular, in terms of the work God's calling you guys to. Uh, for for our ministry, our team, we would love, obviously, to have more people out here working with us. At the moment, we are just our family, right? Uh, right now, on the field here in Lisbon, um, with the possibility of one other family joining us in the near future. Um. So, yeah, we'd love to see more people coming with a heart to um, to serve the local church and work towards uh, church planting. We would love to see um, pioneers, missionaries working with local churches, working towards the health of the local church, and then working towards um, multiplying healthy churches into new churches that, that reach more and more Portuguese people. Um, there's a lot of hunger, I think, for growth here in Lisbon, but but the work is hard, and the workers are definitely few. Like I said, it's about 1% here, and probably on average, the church population here, the, the evangelical Christian population, is, is aging, and that there's not necessarily that younger generation coming in, taking its place. And so, um, yeah, I'd love to see love to see churches being planted um pioneers workers uh partnering with local churches to just see the gospel move throughout lisbon which is has the largest population in portugal but throughout throughout the whole country really excellent yes well that gives us some fuel for our prayers for you guys as you continue to labor uh, for the next several years lord willing so Thank you for taking time today, Justin. Uh, blessings to you and your family. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. For more information, go to pioneersineurope.com and find out how you can be a part of the mission of planting churches across Europe.